Hello, my praying people. I just completed recording a podcast that I'm calling Praying God's Word Over Others. And I hope that you're going to be encouraged by hearing this. I've just come out of a a deep funk, and I actually talk about that um, a little bit. I don't tell you specifically that I've just come out of it, but I do talk about how strongholds can really um, overwhelm us with a sense of hopelessness because we forget who it is that we're talking to and what it is that he does when we talk to him. And um, coming out of this, I'm very excited to share with you this reminder of what a powerful privilege we have when we pray. I'm convinced that one of the devil's favorite tactics is just to overwhelm us with a sense of hopelessness so that we'll stop praying. And um, so the most powerful thing we can do is not stop. (laughs) So that's really what I want to encourage you to do. There's really two sections of this podcast. One is talking about how praying God's word uh, encourages us, the prayer, the person who's praying. But then I'm going to talk specifically about how we pray God's word into the lives of the people that we're praying for. So um, enjoy this. I hope that you'll share it with others that could use a good word on um, of encouragement in just uh, empowering their continual prayers for the people that they love. Hello, my praying people. As the founder of the Prayer Clinic Ministry, I am very much a believer that when God's people pray for other people, that um, God releases heaven's storehouses, like heaven's blessings, into other people's lives. I believe that we have the divine privilege and the power to speak into the lives of others, even others that may not want us praying for them, even others that may be running away from God or have no um, spiritual sensitivity at all. God gives us this amazing opportunity to dive way behind the enemy walls and to execute victory on these spiritual battlefields of their lives. And we do this through the privilege of prayer. Now, if I didn't believe this, I wouldn't have been used by God to create a powerful ministry that you can do in your churches where that the whole essence of the ministry is for people who know how to pray, to pray with people who may not know how to pray or who just need people of great faith to partner with them and pray with them. And when we pray, the whole heartbeat of the prayer clinic ministry is that we pray God's word into people's lives. Um, One day on these podcasts, I'm just going to literally read to you the scripture prayer cards, and you're going to have a whole wealth of resources of the word of God as it can be prayed into people's lives um, based on the various circumstances that that we face and that we know. I'll, I'll start recording those maybe next week or so. But anyway, today, what I want to talk to you about is this powerful privilege we have to pray God's word and um, how that works both in our lives and in the lives of the people that we're praying for. Father, I just ask that you would um, 
camp out in my mind and in my heart as I share this message about praying your word as it uh, relates to our praying over others. And Lord, I'm asking that the people that hear this will just feel um, empowered in their own spirit and in their own prayer lives to be able to tap in to this great privilege that you've given us so that we can uh, march forward in victory and press back the gates of hell that cannot prevail against your people when they're praying. Lord, remind us of this truth that the gates of hell itself has to step aside and let us march through as we claim your word over the lives of the people that we love. Amen. So if you're praying on behalf of someone else and you're interceding on their behalf, meaning that you're going to God on their behalf, then you need to focus your prayers on the actual word of God as it relates to both you and as it relates to the person that you're praying for. So let's talk first of all about how God's word relates to you, the intercessor. First of all, God will give you a word that is yours to take hold of. Um, This word will speak to your heart and it will directly address any doubt that you may have in there. It will answer this question, Lord, what are you going to do in response to my prayers? Now, of course, you need to be in the Word in order for God to get His Word into you. So my advice to you is to read your Bible daily, and chances are that God will pull a verse or a few verses, a passage of Scripture, out of His Word, and He will say in His ever-gentle but certain voice, this, this right here, this is who I am, and this is what I'm going to do. When my daughter, Michael, was in the midst of an abusive relationship, one night her next door neighbor called me and she said, Miss Leanne, I'm so afraid that if something doesn't happen, that Michael may die at the hands of her husband. And that particular night, after I tried to convince Tom to get out of bed and go kill that man, (laughs) Tom assured me that even if he did that, Michael would not be rescued from this, this spiritual darkness that she was captive in and that there really wasn't anything he could do. And then Tom went to sleep. Imagine that. And I'm, I'm laying there in bed thinking, my daughter, is her life is being threatened, and I, what am I supposed to do? I cannot just go to sleep. And so, guys, I had heard that sometimes people get up in the middle of the night and they just pray through the night. Now, I'd like to tell you that I make a practice of that, that every Tuesday night, I'm up all night long interceding and praying for everything and everybody. But it wouldn't be honest, I don't do that. I'm very sleepy at night and I tend to be able to sleep even at the most, you know, um, uh, uh, unsettling times. Other people might lose sleep over things, but I would sleep anyway. Not on this particular night. On this particular night, I could not sleep and I could not not do anything, even though you and I both know there wasn't anything I could do, but there was one thing I could do and I could go to the Lord in prayer. And I went to the Lord and I sat down with my Bible and I said, God, I don't even know what I'm doing. I do not even begin to know how to pray through the night. I know Jesus did this. I know that it's important to do this, but I don't even know where to start. And the Lord took me to the book of Hosea and And he camped me out, I'll never forget it, in Hosea chapter 2. And in Hosea chapter 2, and I don't know if you, the story of Hosea, it's it's really popular. It's actually the story that's the basis of the movie that just came out by Francine Rivers called Redeeming Love. But Hosea is a story of a prophet who was told by God to go marry a prostitute. And this prophet just continually went after 
the, his wife, Gomer, no matter what she did, and even though it was humiliating to him, even though he had to consistently bring her back from her choice of prostitution back to the goodness that he was inviting her to, he continually went after her. And Hosea is really um, a message from God to his people, Israel, saying, even though you've prostituted yourself to other gods, and even though you've gone after what is so much lesser than what I, the Lord God Almighty, am offering you, I love you so much that I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to go after you. I'm not going to give up on you. And in chapter two, it's just a part of that where the Lord says, I'm going to be your husband. I'm going to show you who I really am and you're going to know me. And I sat down with my Bible that night and God took me to Hosea chapter two and I just began to pray God's word. I just began to pray those verses to God. And one of the phrases that he says in Hosea two is on that day, I'm going to redeem you. And I circled it and I circled it. And every time I saw that phrase on that day as a part of a promise in the Bible, I circled it and I underlined it. And so many times, my friends, over the years, I cried out to God. I said, Lord, bring that day. When is that day coming? On that day. I'm begging for that day. And in that way, I held God to his word. And when I and God gave me his word, he told me that on that day, he was going to rescue my daughter. He was going to bring her out and that she would return to him. So I'm telling you that when you go to into um, a place where your heart is burdened for someone you love, then you're in God's word. God's going to give you a word and he's going to say with his word, this word right here, this is my word. This is who I am and it's what I'm going to do. So God's word will reassure you of his answer. Hold tightly to that word. I don't care if that word feels like it's going to beat you up, man. You hold tightly to the word of God. So ask God, he'll give you a word. The second thing is ask God to reveal any stronghold in you that keeps you from believing his word. Listen to what Peter Wagner said in regards to strongholds in the minds of intercessors. Now, I'm not talking about strongholds in the minds and the hearts of those you're praying for. I'm talking about strongholds that can happen in your own mind. This is what he said. A spiritual stronghold is a mindset impregnated with hopelessness that causes us to accept as unchangeable situations that we know are contrary to the will of God. The presence of a spiritual stronghold must be suspected when a Christian finds himself powerless to change a situation that he clearly knows goes against the will of God. That is a powerful statement. A spiritual stronghold is a mindset impregnated with hopelessness that causes us to accept as unchangeable situations that we know are contrary to the will of God. My friends, that right there is the stronghold that nearly choked the life out of me. I looked at my heart's cry and I considered the impossibility of the miracle that I'd been praying for. And I allowed hopelessness to eat away at my mind and my heart because I forgot that God is supreme and we are victorious. Let me say that again. <laughs> no matter how impossible the situation is, God is supreme and we, those of us who are praying God's word, are victorious. In order for strongholds to become strongholds, they need an entry into your spirit. 
And the way these strongholds gain entry is by finding chinks in your spiritual armor. You know that um, our spiritual armor is listed in Ephesians chapter 6. We're supposed to have the, the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. Our feet are shod with the gospel of peace. We've got... Um, We've got the the shield, I mentioned it before, of faith that, that distinguishes the fiery arrows of the enemy. And then we also have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But instead of having on our full armor and having it all activated, you might be showing up on the battlefield with parts of your spirit exposed. Some chinks in your armor are created by these things. Unforgiveness. Maybe you've been offended. And maybe that offense was so strong that you feel justified in carrying it around with you. Unforgiveness can create a chink in our armor. Indignation, being undone by something someone said or did or didn't do. The need to control. Maybe your need to control the situation then plays into the fact that you realize wisely enough that you're helpless and then you just throw up your hands and become hopeless because you can't do anything. And that, my friends, um, is actually a, a, a manifestation of pride in our lives. And pride is another chink in our armor. And perhaps our pride is demonstrated by this sense of self-sufficiency that I can figure this out. I can do this. And you realize you can't. You've got no control whatsoever. You got nothing. You know, have you ever been there? I just got nothing. Another chink in our armor could be idolatry. Sometimes we can make our loved one into a high place. We can make them and their life and our relationship with them more significant in our lives than our relationship with God. And so because it's not right, we choose to be undone with God. And in that way, we've made an idol out of that person that we love. So here's how to get rid of the chinks in your armor so that you can demolish strongholds. Confess whatever stronghold God reveals to you and turn away from it. Do this as often as you must in order to keep hold of God's truth. Your prayer might be something like this, Lord, I admit I've been depending on me and not you. I confess that I've allowed my love for my son, my daughter, my spouse, my friend to become an idol. I've chosen fear for them over confidence and faith in you. I allowed my confidence in you to be swept away by their words and actions. And I choose this minute to trust you more. Continue to hold God to his word like a hammer beating against a concrete wall. Keep on swinging that hammer of God's word. If God's given you his word on a situation that involves someone else, trust him to keep his word. It's not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces, Jeremiah 23, 29. Don't forget, my friends, that when Jesus was walking on earth, he spoke about prayer on three um, separate times. And each time he spoke of it, the, the point of his message was, will you pray through? Will I find you when I come back? Will I find you trusting God and praying through? Are you going to get discouraged and stop? You remember the reluctant um, neighbor, the guy who went and he begged food from his neighbor because he knew his neighbor had what he needed. And instead of giving up, when the neighbor said, go away, I'm sleeping, stop bothering me. When there was a little bit of pushback from the darkness, 
and there was not opportunity for breakthrough. What did the neighbor do? He, he was persistent. He said, no, I know you've got food. I know you've got what I need, and it's from you I'm going to get it. And Jesus seemed to applaud that guy because he wasn't going to give up. And we've got to be the same way. Not because God's reluctance is, is um, it's not there to drive us insane. But if we come up against God's reluctance, we just continue to knock on his door with his word and say, Lord, this is what I know you said you were going to do. This is what you showed me in your word. And your word is true. You are faithful and you watch over your word to perform it. And I insist that you that you deliver this word in my life, no matter what it is that I'm listening to, I choose to turn a deaf ear to that. And then if the next night that word hasn't come yet, you go back and you knock on that door again and say, Lord, this is the word. This is the word you gave me. This is the word that I'm trusting you to keep because you are God who keeps your word. And then you go again three weeks later because God still hasn't delivered his word. And you say, God, here's my, here's my person. Here they are. They are still desperately in need for your word. And I'm going to continue to pray it. So that's what we do when the, we allow this God's word to relate to us, to assure us that he's going to come through on our behalf and what exactly he's going to do. But let's talk about how God's word, as it relates to the person that you're interceding for. Some people believe that you have to ask God to choose to work on behalf of the person you're praying for. I don't believe you have to pray this. I don't think you have to say, Lord, I'm asking you to act on behalf of the person I'm praying for. Just the fact that you're burdened for them tells me that God has already chosen them to receive the answer to your prayers. You see, you didn't you didn't create the the burden in your heart. God planted it there. <laughs> You didn't just wake up one day and say, you know what, Lord, I've been thinking about so-and-so and I think I want you to consider them. No, no, no. God put so-and-so in your heart because God, um, he drafted you to be the intercessor on their behalf. And so what they do, um, what they do need is for God to bless them with his undivided attention. And so when you pray, imagine drawing a circle around them, highlighting them, and giving God the bullseye for his targeted actions. And realize, my friends, that when you pray for them, you are using the power and privilege of prayer to designate them for God's special attention. I mean, you are putting a circle around them pinpointing them, pulling them away from anyone else. What they do need also is not only for God to bless them with his undivided attention, but they need God to convict them of sin. The Holy Spirit comes to convict people of sin. Pray John 16, 8 through 11 over them. When he, the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no more. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Realize that this is a prayer for the Holy Spirit to convict them of sin, not sins. You're asking God to convict them of the sin of unbelief, the one sin the devil wants to hide from them. And so, Lord God Almighty, we ask that you convict them of the sin of unbelief. Then they also need God to illuminate their mind with truth. 
Ask God to open their minds and their hearts so that they are ready to receive Him. Don't forget that what the Lord opens, no one can shut, and what the Lord shuts, no one can open. Revelations 3, 7 says this, This is what you must write to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. I am the one who is holy and true, and I have the keys that belong to David. When I open a door, no one can close it. And when I close a door, no one can open it. Listen to what I say. My friends, don't you ever forget that God is the one who opens and shuts doors. God is the one who has the last say-so on what's going on in the life of the people that you have, that he's already put in your heart for you to mark aside and to highlight and to circle him around. And so you are literally asking God to illuminate their mind, to open the door of their mind, to open the door of their heart to truth and not to shut it. And then we are praying and asking God to do whatever it takes. When God does whatever it takes, He will divinely adjust the circumstances of their lives to best prepare their heart and their mind to receive Him. Now, this could be a scary prayer, except that God is a loving, kind, tender-hearted, and compassionate God, and you can trust Him. So, Lord, we are asking right now that you do whatever it takes. You orchestrate the circumstances from the minute they get out of bed to the minute they go back to bed. And even in the night hours when they are in bed, Lord, even in their dreams and their sleep, that you are orchestrating the circumstances of their lives to best prepare their heart and their mind to receive you. Then you can also pray that God's word will be unhindered. Thessalonians 3, 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it was also with you. Lord, we are asking that your word would spread rapidly and be unhindered, unhindered by any kind of forces of darkness that would try to steal it away or to hinder it. We are praying that your word goes forth rapidly and that it achieves everything that you want it to do. And then pray that God's word will be glorified. That's what it says right there in 1 Thessalonians 3, 1. Again, finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified. Do you know what be glorified means? That it accomplishes every ounce of what God has in mind for it to accomplish. And so, God, when you speak the words, literally the worlds came into order. And so, when you have spoken your word to us regarding this person in this situation, we are agreeing with you that every ounce of what you want to release in their lives through your word is... um, achieved, that you are victorious and your word will be accomplished. And then we also pray that God's word will be effective. Isaiah 55 11 says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God, we know that your word is effective, that it is powerful and effective, that your word is like a two-edged sword that divides between the joint and the marrow. And when we are praying your word over the one that we love, we can be certain that it's going to be effective. And so God, we are inviting you to make your word effective, that it will not return to you empty, that it accomplishes everything you desire for it to accomplish. So my friends, be encouraged as you pray God's word for other people. God's word will not return void. This verse is on every one of our prayer clinic scripture cards, and it's a good one to close out this message that I have given you. You have seen well for I, the Lord, am watching over my word to perform it. Jeremiah 1, 12. Oh God, let your word not return void. We know that it won't. 
Oh Lord, would you watch over your word and perform it? Let it be so to the glory of God. We have the powerful privilege of praying God's word into the lives of those we love. I am going to follow this podcast by just um, praying God's word off of the prayer clinic scripture cards so that you can have that set of cards. And when you bump into whatever specific issues you might, um, you might hit, that you can pray God's word. You know what I might do? I might start by praying for our children that have deconstructed their faith and pulling out God's word specifically and powerfully to pray that. And so um, be watching and be listening for these things. My friends, we have been given this powerful privilege of prayer. Jesus died to make it possible for us. It we, we must capitalize on this opportunity, take full advantage of the gift that has been given to us and speak forth our prayers boldly. Now, if you wanna learn more about this, especially if you want to learn how to pray for those who have lost their way or for those who are lost, I want you right now to go to the courses that are on my website, leannemccoy.com. Look for courses. I believe it's under the menu option. And find the course titled Praying for the Lost that I created with my friend Jennifer Kennedy Dean. I promise you, you will not be disappointed in this course. You're going to learn step by step how to pray effectively for those who need to have an encounter with Jesus. Friends, let's stop it. Let's stop letting the enemy have our kids, have our family members, have our friends, have our neighbors. Let's begin to take back that for which Jesus died for. Let's get on our knees and let's pray forth evangelistically. And let's pray forth for all of those who are suffering, perhaps needlessly, perhaps purposefully. But whatever it is, let's pray that the glory of God is revealed in the lives of those we love. So um, be encouraged. We've been given a gift and we can do this. Take full advantage of these resources. Go online, check out Prayer for the Lost. If you know somebody that is under a great burden because they're carrying the load of prayer for a friend or a loved one, please share this podcast with them. And let's begin to be the powerful force that God has given us the privilege and the opportunity to be. May it be so, Lord. May it be so.